that was a tragic moment that it will forever have changed me, really. The bombs went off probably 20 minutes after I crossed the finish line, but I was still right there in the area. And welcome to the Run the Race podcast, where we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis. And we all need motivation, maybe to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we all seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. Yeehaw! Hey, everybody. How's it going? Jason Dennis here. I uh, hope you are doing great. We're going to kick things off here with a little bit of song, uh, uh, kind of a new segment on this uh, weekly Run the Race podcast. It's called Stuck in My Head. You know, you get the, those songs or movies or phrases or whatever that just kind of get stuck there and, and um, you kind of humming it, singing it throughout the day. Well, this one uh, kind of correlates with a marathon I just ran that we're going to give a recap for, um, and also uh, going to be talking to a uh, mom of six who has run 200 marathons, that's right, um, in all 50 states and all seven continents, and um, she ran this one um, in West Virginia and Kentucky with me as well. Um, so I met her there at the race, just kind of an accidental meeting. So, uh, so here's the little song that kind of maybe has to do uh, you know, a little bit with at least the place we finished the race. Country road, take me home to the place where I belong. West Virginia, mountain mama, take me home. Country road. There you go. Hope uh, hope I didn't sing uh, sound too out of tune there. Um, my, my first TV job was actually in West Virginia, uh, Bridgeport, Clarksburg, just south of Morgantown and Pittsburgh. Um, but you know that song was uh, obviously a classic signature song from John Denver, the official state anthem for West Virginia. And uh, the song was released in 1971. And uh, if you didn't know it, it's played at every single West Virginia University football game. So. Take Me Home, Country Roads. Um, and uh, the marathon that I just ran um, actually started in Kentucky at a grocery store parking lot, of all things, and ended in West Virginia. And the lady that I met at the race, my guest for this 71st episode of the Run the Race podcast, you can find all the previous ones again on WTVM.com slash podcast. And so I'm going to talk to her about all these you know, 200 marathons that she's run. Uh, she's not that much older than I am. And uh, she's got six kids, uh, 12 all the way up to 26. We talk about that and juggling all the busy life as a, as a mom, as a wife, and traveling all these places for, for these races, uh, how she's getting faster, her advice for runners, uh, amateurs, all the way up to people that are uh, you know, at her level of, of elite uh, endurance athletes. She talks about her faith in God, how that's the most important thing for her, and uh, kind of what's next for her as well in terms of uh, Ironmans and triathlons. So looking forward uh, uh, to you hearing our conversation. But I wanted to give you a, a quick, just a few minutes recap of the Hatfield-McCoy Marathon. There were about uh, 850 runners from 40 different states signed up for all the different races a half marathon, a 5K, and of course our marathon that we did. Uh, probably close to 300 people running that one and from all over. 
And so we, um, you know, we actually got started off with Devil Ands and Randall McCoy, these these two characters that are kind of floating around uh, the day before the race and dressed up like kind of a Hatfield and McCoy with their rifles. They're actually at the start line. They fired off their real shotguns to, to start us off. And, um, you know, I'm going to let you know ahead of time, this was my slowest marathon yet. I've run almost 20 uh, across 15 different states, and my slowest one yet, five hours and 10 minutes. But it was the probably definitely the toughest road marathon I've run so far, and I think it might be in the top three or five in all of America in terms of road marathons because it was very humid. This happens, obviously, in early June in West Virginia, and um, it has a lot of elevation. It's, it's mountainous in, in the Appalachian Mountains. It's got 3,600 feet of elevation um, increase, and so that, that's a lot. Uh, we uh, about um, six miles in, we have this thing called Blackberry Mountain. We went up that, and uh, really difficult, um, but we kind of jogged up of it about a mile, mile and a half up, and then then about the same distance going down, and then the, the hills just kept coming. Even you know at mile twenty three and mile twenty five, we're at the end. There's more hills, one of them pretty steep, and so we're just sweating away because of the humidity, and you're trying to stay hydrated, but. Uh, I'm telling you, all those, uh, the aid stations, the volunteers, about every mile, there's these volunteers with like, you know, oranges and watermelons and water and Gatorade and so friendly, uh, really nice people there, uh, well-organized race, uh, I had a lot of fun. Uh, there was about mile 17, there was a mud mile, so you have to kind of troops through the, the mud a little bit and kind of maneuver through or around that and not slip. And then right after that, we have the swinging bridge. You kind of go across as part of it, and there was a, a lot of historical markers, and we saw some mini horses there along the way too, uh, but it, great scenery, um, you know, really, again, nice people. And uh, a, their, their, uh, their phrase or their motto is, no feuding, just running. Because it's Hatfield and McCoy, uh, obviously two families that uh, for many, many years and decades have fought tooth and nail to the death. And uh, you know the story. So uh, it was a, a definitely a unique marathon. Um, you know, I'm, uh, it's, it was a really difficult one. So maybe I'll go back one day and get the other state. I can get West Virginia and Kentucky with Hatfield McCoy. So I definitely recommend it if you haven't gone there. And just for the experience, even if it's for a 5K or for a, uh, a half marathon, definitely uh, make an effort to get out there. Now to our, uh, our featured guest for this episode. It is Michelle Walker who, again, uh, she's from Newburgh, Indiana. I met her at this Hatfield-McCoy race. That was her 200th marathon, so congrats to her. And uh, she has continued getting faster and faster. I think in all 50 states, she has qualified uh, for Boston uh, at a time fast enough, three hours and 45 minutes or faster in, in all those marathons. And she's back again doing more states after doing the 50. She's run a marathon in all seven continents as well. Uh, she ran her first marathon at age 37, and now she's 51 and just n- not stopping yet. And she was there, uh, finished the Boston Marathon in 2013, just 20 minutes before the uh, bombing that happened there uh, about eight years ago. And she's run races in Australia and Iceland and South Africa on a cruise ship. 
And uh, sometimes she takes her, her kids with her. Again, she has kids ages 12 to 26, three boys and three girls, uh, married to a very patient husband, as she talks about. And, uh, you know, transition from being a full-time professional to being a busy stay-at-home mom, now transitioning to be being a, uh, a really avid marathoner, hoping that uh, she, you know, will inspire other people to, to have goals, have dreams, and meet those. So uh, without further ado, uh, here's Michelle. Well, I'd like to welcome uh, Michelle Walker to the uh, podcast, mom of six and uh, marathon runner uh, to the max, uh, joining us uh, via Zoom uh, from Indiana. Thank you so much, Michelle. Sure. Thank you for having me. And uh, you and I met uh, in person. I actually had heard about you, you know, weeks and months ago, but uh, you and I stayed at the same bed and breakfast, just, you know, a happenstance or a fate would have it. And we both just ran uh, recently the Hatfield-McCoy Marathon, which started at a grocery store parking lot in Kentucky and finished in West Virginia, kind of a, a unique one to say the least. So uh, so it was, it was gl- good to meet you in person. And it was your, it was your 200th marathon, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so, I picked a challenging course for the 200th. <laughs> yeah, and they had a sign <laughs> for you at the, the end. They, they were excited about it. So, yeah, tell, tell me about that. I mean, because, you know, I'm a, I gave a little recap earlier in the podcast of, you know, about my experience. So you've done 200 marathons, 26.2 miles, 200 times. You know, you've done 50 states and then trying to do that again. So where does this rank in terms of, you know, in terms of tough road marathons? Because we had a lot of hills and humidity to kind of contend with. Well, it certainly ranks at the top as far as toughness. Um, I read somebody else's post online that it is ranked as one of the five toughest road marathons in the United States. And I would have to agree with that based on my experience. I knew that I would not most likely break four hours. It was one of my personal worst marathon times, but I was not surprised by that. And uh, despite the extreme humidity, my clothes were just soaking wet by the time I was finished. And uh, I would call it mountainous in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, I, I really enjoyed the race. I think that the people were really friendly and uh, the, the setup was outstanding, the organization outstanding. So I don't, I don't know if I would rush back to repeat it because I like to do different races, um, but I really did enjoy that race. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was it was a challenging one, to say the least. And it was my yeah. 15th state. And, and you've already done all 50 states uh, sub four hours. So, you know, qualifying for Boston, I believe, in all those. Um, and then you're right. kind of go, going at it again um, and do, have done 200 marathons. So people that are listening, some of them may be experienced runners, some of them may be new to the sport or maybe interested in getting into running. Uh, when they hear that you've done all this as a mom of six, I mean, so I guess the question is, why in the world run this many marathons? <laughs> <laughs> I certainly didn't uh, set out to run 200 marathons. It just kind of happened. Um, my original goal, like yours, is, was to run the 50 states. And over time, I became faster and faster. And surprisingly, my times gradually 
reduced the more I ran and um, I developed other time-based goals. So I realized I was capable of running a marathon under four hours, which really was a surprise to me. And uh, then I became consistent at running marathons under four hours. So I joined a group called the 50 sub four club, and it's for people who have a goal to do all 50 states under four hours. And I, I reached that goal. And the same thing kind of happened. The more that I ran, I got even faster than just uh, getting times at slightly under four hours. I started qualifying for Boston. And most of those race times, depending on your age, uh, is your qualifying time. So most of my uh, original Boston qualifying times were under three hours and 45 minutes. And then uh, there's yet another group, uh, which um, counts all Boston qualifying times in each of the 50 states. And I was getting closer to finishing that goal. So one goal kind of led to another. And I, I've never been really interested and counting the number of marathons that I run. I'm, I'm more interested in my marathon times or the geographic location. But uh, just by chance, I started to edge up, you know, to 100 marathons. And now uh, as my goals progressed, I finished 200 marathons, but nothing I really set out to do from the beginning. Yeah. It's uh well, it's impressive what you've done so far, and, and you've got still got more to do, and, and enjoying it, and challenging yourself. And we're going to talk a little bit in this chat about you know um, how how faith in God plays a role in your life and your running. Uh, you know, juggling everything, being a mom of six, and, and uh, traveling to some really amazing destinations for uh, these races. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you first, you know, about um, you know doing all these these you know twenty six point two mile races. I think if I I added it up, if you've done 200 marathons since age 37. Uh, I think you've averaged, um, if I do their math right, about 14 or 15 per year. So that's quite a bit. Um, so how has running changed you? And how is all these marathons? Has Are you a different person? Are you the same Michelle Walker you were 15 years ago? I'm certainly a different person. I'm more confident. Um, I appreciate more the ability to go out and do this and to, to get to go out and do this. It, it really is a privilege. And I, at first I was taking it for granted marathon after marathon and uh, just some life circumstances made me appreciate this um, ability. And um, it, it, it's such a, it's turned into such a passion of mine um, as far as an outlet, uh, a stress reliever, a way to have fun. And it's really invigorated me. And I think that that has spilled over into not only my marriage, but into my role as a parent. And what would you say to folks, you know, maybe they are about to run their first marathon or maybe they have, you know, they've got a few states left uh, on this journey of trying to get all 50 states. You know, there's a wide range of runners out there. What would you say to folks in terms of what you've learned or wish you knew maybe when you started? I've done some reflection on what what has changed me and what have I learned over 200 marathons. And um, the first thing is, 
I would say don't compare yourself to others. It's important to run your race. And uh, one of my favorite Bible verses is um, from Hebrew, Hebrews 12, 1, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Um, it's important not to go into a marathon or um, a goal uh, comparing yourself to other people. I'd say that's one of my points. Um, another point is prior preparation prevents poor performance. I have used this um, saying throughout my life, even uh, when I was in school and in college, and I'm one that probably tends to over-prepare for things. And I, I uh, train very hard as far as preparing for the marathons, and um, now I'm into triathlons. So um, I am of the mindset that it's better to go and prepare. Don't skip those long runs. You know, don't cut your training short. I um, often hear uh, people say, well, it's 90% mental and 10% physical as far as finishing an endurance race. And, and I'd have to say I disagree. It's, it's so important to show up trained. So that, that's another point I would like to express. Um, another idea that has worked for me is um, to use the last six miles to focus on other people in your life. And I often say the race begins at mile 20. It gets really hard um, to finish, as you know, those last six miles. So I often use that time to pray for other people. And I would, um, I will often take uh, each mile and um, a, use a prayer request that I've received or to pray for somebody that I know or in my family. And that kind of gets your focus off, off the pain and, and the misery and um, to place it on, on someone else and, and to communicate with God during that time. You've, you've <laughs> I'm sure, learned a lot over, you know, these 200 marathons. And, you know, you talked about those last six miles, that last 10K, kind of, that's really where it starts. You know, people talk about hitting the wall at mile, you know, 19 or 20 or beyond. And, and uh, you know, especially there in West Virginia, you know, they, they just threw in some some bonus uh, hills and mountains at the end of that race. So that was, uh, that was quite fun. <laughs> and yeah. when, you're, when, you're, when your legs right. are exhausted. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're, we, we talked earlier about you being uh, a mom of six and uh so your kids uh, if i'm right are ages 12 to 26 right that's correct yes so a big, uh, so, uh <laughs> spread there yes so you stay busy and congratulations to uh your son i believe he's your oldest that just graduated and became uh, md right a doctor is that right yes that's right yeah i'm yeah. very proud of him he's yeah he has worked hard so he, he can help you out if you have some injuries, perhaps, in uh, future marathons or <laughs> something like that. Um, so uh, what? And speaking about being a, a wife and, and a mom of six, and, uh, you know, obviously that's a full-time job. And I know, you know, you've talked about uh, in articles and other uh, podcasts about how, you know, you gave up your career and became a full-time mom, stayed at home. Uh, you were dedicated to, to being there for your kids. Uh, but, you know, obviously after a while, maybe right before your last was born, this is when you were taking up running and, 
And um, so tell me about, you know, how do you juggle all that? Because people may be listening and say, you know, how does she find time to do that when she's got all these other responsibilities? Well, my kids are, are getting older now, so it's a different situation now. But I did start when they were all at home and um, I started marathon running right uh, after my fifth child was born. I, I wasn't as aggressive in my um, marathon running um, at that time. But after my sixth child was born, um, I, I did gradually ease into the uh, world of frequent marathoning. And um, it, it takes a lot of planning. I spend as much time planning as I do training. And I make sure that I carve out the time to prepare for the marathon. So um, the time might not always be um, my preferred time of day, but to, in order to get the training in, I might have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning and do my run before my husband goes to work or um, in the evening when I have some uh, free time after the kids go to bed, I might have to go to the gym and do the run on the treadmill. So it's not always uh, my ideal training time, but I make the time rather than wait for the time to come to me. Also, I had to do a lot of uh, planning as far as childcare. And um, I would sometimes uh, bring in a babysitter and schedule that a week in advance to get in a long run. Um, my, my husband works a lot of hours. And so um, I would do that, you know, just to get that time in. So my um, one point I would like to stress, I think I've already said is to never skip your long run. So sometimes I would plan my long runs a couple weeks in advance to make sure that I had the childcare or I could I had enough time to get the child care to get it done where there's, there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. So, and, um, and if you're, and if you're I averaging like a, and if you're averaging like a marathon a month, I mean, that's almost like your training, right? That you're a marathon is a training run maybe for another marathon perhaps. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually prefer that schedule. I, um, don't really enjoy going out and doing a long run on my own, but I will do it. Um, so doing a marathon a month kind of avoids having to do so many long runs. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate that I have uh, parents. I have their only grandchildren and they're um, getting older now, not able to, but um, they would come, uh, they live two hours away in Tennessee and they would come and, and watch my kids over the weekend while I, I did a lot of this. Um, and, and my husband is also a runner. So I, I blame him for getting me started in this. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's probably, he, he I guess he's I not, he's not, he's not at 200 marathons, but he's, he's working his way up the ladder. Right. Right. Yeah. He's at about 21 marathons. So, which is a lot. <laughs> yes, it is a lot. It's, it's a little bit more than I've done. I, I'm, I've done 15 states so far. Now, do your, as for your kids, do they, um, do they run as well? I mean, maybe a 5Ks or perhaps uh, uh, they want to run marathons? 
Yes, all, all of them do run. Um, I've made a point since I have so many kids, I've, I've always worried about them not getting enough one-on-one time. So I try to take um, them on one-on-one trips to these marathons when I can. It's um, not always possible, of course, with school and, and work and everything. But um, my oldest daughter, who is now wanting to train for a half Ironman, is, uh, she called me uh, yesterday and she said, that her fondest memories have been these marathon trips with me. Um, so I, I think that they've um, become so accustomed now to the marathon world. And um, each one of them is running in some form at this point, whether it be a, a 5K or further. So, uh, so you're taking either sometimes it's just one-on-one, like you said, it's that, that time because I mean, they're competing for, for kind of everything at home, but you may take uh, Brett or Kelsey or Madeline or Mason, Layla or Harrison. I, I think I've got all the names. Is that correct? We're going to give them all shout outs here. Yeah, I am impressed. <laughs> That's it. So I'm sure you, sometimes you have trouble. Who is that? That's uh, is that Harrison? Yeah. So uh, um, and uh, so that, that's really really cool. So um, and, and speaking of that, you were talking about you know, you know your husband. So uh, you know um, I know that with my wife, I have to kind of do a trade off, or I have to kind of maybe ask for forgiveness or, or say, Hey, say, is it okay if I do this or go here or uh, I'll go with a friend or I'll go with my son or so, I mean, uh, I imagine your husband is, is very like, you know, um, giving in terms of letting you go to do whatever marathon you want to do. Yes. I'm really thankful and, and blessed in, in that regard. Um, and I would say um, he is giving to the point that I've received a lot of these marathons, especially my international races as surprise gifts from him. So um, I, I fully have his support. And I, I think that that's key. You know, I, I would not be doing this if I didn't have his support because my family is far more important than uh, this, this hobby. So um uh, yes, we, we do balance it out. Um, he, I think he has realized that I've sacrificed a lot over the years um, as far as giving up my career and, and staying home. And um, um, he has worked crazy, a crazy number of hours over the, over the years. And, and he, he gets that I need something too, as far as a goal and a tangible reward, even though um, it's it's not as meaningful as as a full career. Yeah, and then this is not your typical goal. I mean, you you know, not the, the average person doesn't go out and run you know a marathon in all fifty states or even two hundred marathons. So kudos to you and your husband for uh, kind of getting through this, and and it's continuing on. You know, it's gonna keep stacking. And speaking of, you know, kind of going different places, you're talking about traveling. I mean, you've uh, not only have you obviously been to all 50 states and then some, but you've done a marathon in all seven continents as well. So um, I know it's it's tough to choose. It's like choosing your favorite child, but, and I'm not going to ask you your favorite <laughs> race, but, can, uh, uh, you know, are there a couple of places that you've been geographically uh, for a race that really kind of for you is like, 
you know, the, the peak is the, the mountaintop of like, I would suggest that you go here and run a race. I've um, really discovered that I like uh, an adventure type race. And I've run a few of them internationally. There's a company called Albatross Adventures. And I've actually booked these trips through um, Marathon Tours, who then um, uses Albatross Adventures. I, I think Albatross is based in Denmark. And um, they, I've done three of their races, which are very tough and, and in, in a way reminded me of Hatfield McCoy. Um, so tough races, but um, the geographic location and uh, the reward of finishing is like nothing else. Um, and so one of those albatross races is the Great Wall Marathon in China. And um, another is Petra Marathon in Jordan. And then the third one that I've done is Big Five Marathon in South Africa. And wow. I would recommend any of those places um, just for the amazing location, um, but also for the race itself. And it, it's so well staffed and supported. And um, it's, it's really a tour where uh, you're with other marathon runners from all over the world and you you don't really have to think about anything as far as your travel or, or even your meals it's it's all kind of in the marathon package so um yeah i, I highly recommend those races yeah that sounds amazing i know you've been you know, run different races through europe as well in terms of in the united states i know you live in indiana so are there any particular places like or or like race events that like man that was such a great experience everything was just well organized and it was you know whether it be the crowd or something else that stood out to you anything like that in terms of maybe it could be a big race or, or a smaller one Yeah, I really like uh, Monumental Marathon, which is in Indianapolis. That's uh, one of my favorite races. And um, part of it is the course. Uh, it's, it's fairly flat. And then the time of year, it's held in early November. So you don't get the, the humidity like we did yeah. in June in West Virginia. <laughs> but um like, like you said, it, it's really hard to pick a favorite marathon. Um, I like to travel to different marathons. I don't like to repeat marathons just to get different experiences. And that even goes for the really big marathons. I, I know lots of people who like to go back to, for instance, Boston Marathon year after year. And, and even though I um, have set a goal to reach the Boston qualifying time, I don't really care to repeat um, the same marathon over and over, even the big ones. Um, and, and the big ones are, are great as far as crowd support. Uh, but I would say my favorite marathon size are the midsize races or even the smaller ones, um, similar to, to Hatfield McCoy. I've, I've met so many amazing runners and, and you get a more personal uh, feeling on the race course, see perhaps running into some of your running friends and, and seeing them. 
Yeah, instead of feeling if, it, if it's like 10, 20, 50,000 people, you feel like you're kind of herded like cattle, like, you know, into this, it's, it's right. called a, a corral, you know. And so uh, yeah. I think, you know, because when you're starting in a grocery store parking lot in Kentucky and it's like, you know, like 200, <laughs> 500 people, it's, it's just a different feel for sure. Um, and I know that, you know, some people have hobbies. Uh, they may, you know, do art or uh, do something else, but this is, this is, your hobby is not necessarily, um, not inexpensive. Uh, it comes with costs as well. So that's something that I guess people need to know going in that like, cause you do a lot of planning, but I mean, to travel to these places and you're spending at least a hundred bucks on a registration and then hotel. So it's, it's something that, you know, it takes a lot of that planning too, right? Oh, certainly. Yes. And that. I couldn't have done this at a certain point in my life. I've, um, my family and I have made an, uh, an intentional effort to save and to make sure our children's college is funded and to make sure our retirement accounts are funded. So I wouldn't do this hobby unless I had some, discretionary income that, um, we've, we've really worked hard to, to save for. And that took a, a number of years. I couldn't have done this when all of my kids were, were first born. Um, financially it, it wouldn't have been possible. So, uh, my advice is there are different points in life when, when things are more available and um, it's, it's important to have your priorities straight as far as, you know, is this, is frequent marathoning something I could do at, at this point right now, or should I, I wait and, and save for a while? Yeah, that's that's a good advice for sure. Because I mean, you got to have that balance, and and like you said before, family right. comes first, and and you've got to focus on that. Right. And and if you can bring the family along, your your kids or your husband while you're doing it, that's that's even better. Um, and you were talking about priorities. Yes. I know you grew up um, in a, an army family, right? So you're used to kind of moving around. And and you were telling me, you know, off mic that uh, you grew up Protestant. Uh, you know, whatever the, or the army denomination was, and and uh, so you grew up kind of in church and, and a part of the faith. Does that still play a role, you know, a key role for you and your family, faith in God and church? And also maybe does it, does it um, you know, connect um, and have application for your running as well? Oh, it, it's the most important part of my life, uh, my faith in God. And um, it's, it's the basis for everything that I do. I, I'm I try to be in constant communication with God and, and I often use the marathons as a time when, um, I'm, I'm talking to God and, um, it's, it's a long, long conversation, of course, <laughs> in that length of time, but, um, my faith, um, will always be first and foremost in my life. And I, I try to, um, I'm not very good at um, talking about my faith, but I try to live it out so that uh, on the course, I can possibly encourage other people. And maybe I don't get the chance to talk directly about my faith, but I hope to um, 
use some of these travels to help other people. You, you never know what people are going through. And, and the race is a great place to really um, have an opportunity to encourage people, whether they, they are struggling or not. Yeah, and even, you know, you hear about things about how if you smile during a race or during a really hard thing that you're enduring physically, it can have a, a chemical impact on you. And, and, and faith, you know, can you have that joy. Um, and you were talking about that verse in Hebrews earlier. That's actually how we got the, the name in part of this podcast, Run the Race, from that verse in Hebrews. So for you, you know, it talks in the Bible as well about, you know, our body is a temple. And, and, and part of our witness is taking care of that. And so do you, do you, does that for you, does, do you hope that that is a testimony, you know, not only to, you know, strangers, but also maybe to your kids as well? Oh, certainly. I hope to model um, not only uh, proper exercise and nutrition for, for my kids and, and possibly for others, um, but I hope I what's mainly important to me is uh, that my children see me modeling my faith and my love for God and, and how that is, is um, affecting my life and, and the basis for my decisions. And um, I'm, I'm really happy to say that I think that they all have a, an intimate relationship with Christ and um, I, I know it's not just because of, of me and my modeling, but um, I think it, it's been a, an important part of, of my whole family's life. And I know faith obviously plays a key role, especially when there's crisis or tragedy. And, um, you know, uh, crossing the finish line of a marathon is just you know, it's, you're relieved, you're, you're, you know, enjoy, you just completed this amazing challenge that often takes, you know, three to five hours and, and that months of training ahead of time. But I know one finish line that you probably won't ever forget was 2013, the Boston Marathon. You crossed that, that fame, uh, fame, you know, uh, Boylston Street finish line. Uh, I believe if I read right just before, or I'm not sure how long before the, the bomb went off in, in that Boston Marathon. Tell me about that. And I'm sure a, a scary experience. I spent over five years trying to qualify for Boston, and um, that was my first time to go to, to Boston Marathon. And I, of course, I was elated to be there. Um, the bombs went off probably 20 minutes after I crossed the finish line, but I was still right there in the area. My hotel was facing the finish line. so. Um, normally I linger around the finish line, trying to encourage other runners or, or looking for people that I know. And, and thankfully, um, I had walked away, uh, and started to walk back to my hotel right after I finished. Um, but, uh, that was a tragic moment that it will forever have changed me really, um, to hear the bombs go off and then the panic that set in, um, we were sent, uh, I was in the lobby of my hotel room when the bombs went off and, uh, we were, we were all, uh, sent to our, our rooms and, and had to stay there, uh, most of the night while they were searching for other bombs. Uh, they thought that there might be bombs in the hotels around the finish line. So 
uh, you know, watching from my window, my window faced the finish line and watching what looked like a war zone outside um, and then being confined to a hotel room, not knowing if, if more bombs were, were going off. It was, was one of the scariest moments of my life. Um, and uh, my heart just aches for the people who were affected. I, I feel a little guilty because I, nothing happened to me. I'm, I'm fine, but, um, uh, it, it did take its toll on me as far as, um, experiencing, a, a tragedy like that. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's amazing how, you know, you talk about life being so fleeting and, and, and faith and because I mean, so like, you know, uh, you crossed the finish line, you know, you had worked so hard to, to qualify for Boston and, you know, you're, you know, I'm sure hands in the air. And then 20 minutes later, this bomb goes off. So it's just like this, yeah. just 360 moment, right? Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, unless you're in a situation like that, there's no words to describe the panic that that sets in. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, uh, you were talking about trying to qualify for Boston. We call, we call it in, in the marathon or runner world. We call that BQ, obviously Boston qualify. And, and, uh, I think a race like Hatfield McCoy that we did in West Virginia, that's not a, the kind of race probably you're going to qualify <laughs> at because it was a quite challenging mountainous, like you said. Um, so, you know, for you, um, you know, I know, you know, for me, I, my, my uh, goal is to complete the challenge. I want to complete all these marathons. Some I'll run faster, some I'll run slower, but for you, you know, it's, you have the need for speed. I mean, you, I feel like, you know, I've heard you talk about how you were, had a goal of getting faster and faster faster and that you were committed to that, you know, are you still, is that still something to this day that you're still kind of, you know, chasing after? Yes. And, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, and, um, I, I would like to say to you that my original goal was just not just, but, uh, it's, it's a big challenge to complete a marathon in 50 States with no time goal. And it, I am shocked that this happened, but I, I've seen it happen to many people where um, as you, the more you run, the faster you get. And it's kind of counterintuitive, but um, it does happen. So you might surprise yourself, but um, I do hope to break my PR. And although my PR was in 2013, PR stands for personal record. I did come close uh, two years ago on a downhill marathon course in Oregon. It's called Revel, Revel Mount Hood. And I got a 331, which, which surprised me. Um, so I think, you know, I was just two minutes away. I, I think maybe it's possible. And I'm going to keep trying it, whether it happens or not. And you know, what would you say to folks about, you know, that in terms of getting faster? Cause uh, there's a lot of schools of thought, like, you know, like you're talking about the volume, if you add more miles to your training, uh, if you do speed work at least once a week, or some people say strength training, like for your hips and glutes and quads, that kind of thing. I mean, do you, anything for you in particular that you kind of hone in on to try to get uh, faster as you do all this running? Well, what worked for me was doing more races, and um, I never 
during the period when I was getting faster, I never really did speed work. I've, I've always done some form of strength training, but um, that didn't change um, the, the number of times I was strength training. Uh, but running more races pushes me. I can't, for some reason, push myself, even when I'm trying to do speed work. I don't uh, have that maybe adrenaline that I do in a race. And so um, it, it takes a race course to, uh, as a form of, of speed work for me. So the more races I started to do, the um, that's what shaved down my times. My one piece of advice, though, is to be realistic. And um, I do see people now and then who uh, get a 30-minute PR, uh, but that's pretty rare. And I've learned that um, to be happy if, if you better your time by a minute or, you know, or more. But um, usually I've, from what I've seen with myself and other people, it's usually a, a slow, gradual progression of a reduction in time. So are you, uh, you know, in a, in a marathon, especially if you're going after a PR, do you have like a target? Do you have like, you see another guy, another lady, you know, in front of you and you're chasing them down and we call it, you know, kills where you're kind of go moving past them. Is that something that motivates you? Like, like I want to catch up with this person. Not really. I, <laughs> I don't think I'm that, <laughs> I, I really don't think I'm that competitive. I'm, I'm competitive with myself, but um, I kind of zone out as far as what other people are doing. And um, I think I am always trying to run the best race that I can. So um, no matter the course, even if it's a tougher one like Hatfield McCoy, I want to put my best effort into it. And if I get a personal record, great. And if, if not, um, that that's going to, to happen more often than, um, a time that I'm happy with. But, um, yeah, I, I always try my best no matter who is around me. Well, you and I did something similar at, you know, at our race just recently in Kentucky and West Virginia. We both uh, finished that race about an hour, almost an hour uh, beyond our PR, our personal record, an hour slower. Um, but it, I mean, I think we were both just probably just happy just to, to finish that one because it was, it was in the 70s or high 70s, but it felt humidity and it was just mountain after hill after mountain. And uh, so it's, uh, yeah, because it wasn't much of a flat marathon at all. <laughs> Right. No, not all races are created equal. And um, I always say uh, add 20 degrees to the current temperature to get a running temperature. And if you couple that with humidity, um, you can get a better gauge of, of the real running feel temperature. So uh, that running temperature there for me was in the 90s, even wow, though yeah. the real temperature was in the 70s. Yeah, it was it was a challenge for sure, but um, you know it, it's it's a good it's a good challenge. And you uh you wrote a book yeah. um about I think it's four years ago, twenty seventeen is when it came out. It's called If You Give a Mom a Marathon, uh, Six Kids and a Run Around the World. It came out in uh, December twenty seventeen. So tell me about um you know for you I know um maybe you know you didn't. Uh, you know, seek out to run 200 marathons or to even write a book. But now that you have, 
Um, does, uh, do you hope that your, your story, um, you know, not only as a marathon runner, but as a mom, uh, inspires others and kind of says, hey, listen, you know, do something for yourself and it kind of set, set dreams and you can complete those? Certainly. I, I hope that it encourages uh, other people, especially women and especially mothers. And uh, I do think uh, my main message is that it's so important to have something of your own, something for yourself. And I think that can transfer over into being a better parent and a, a, a better spouse. And um, I fully realize what I've done is extreme and I, I don't necessarily advocate that, but I just wanted to share my story um, in, ho in hopes that it could inspire some people. But um, I wrote the book more so for my family to have something um, to look back on one day to, you know, look and say, hey, mom did all this. And um, so more, more of a keepsake for my family. But if, if it motivates and inspires others, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I hear that you, along with these 200 marathons you've done, uh, you've kind of dabbled or maybe jumped full on into triathlons and Ironmans as well. And uh, I think you know, you, when you and I talked to the bed and breakfast, you said you had uh, five more or five full <laughs> Ironmans to do this year, which is, I mean, one is a lot, but five the rest of this calendar year. Is that correct? And, and, and why? <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't remember that. <laughs> uh, it sounds a little crazy, but yes, um, I am signed up for five full Ironman races this year, as well as a half Ironman. And um, these were all uh, deferred from last year, but I still take the blame because I obviously had signed up for them uh, before last year. So uh, my hope is, uh, it's, it's another goal and I have done seven full Ironman races and to be able to qualify for Kona, um, other than qualifying with a fast time, which I will never get on an Ironman course. Um, you can do it by uh, finishing five full Ironman races. So that's the intention and, uh, it certainly will be a challenge. Uh, they start in September and they go through November. So I'll have five um, and two of them are in back-to-back -back weekends, uh, five uh, that I hope to knock out and, and finish that goal. Well, after that, I think you'll truly be able to eat whatever you want when it comes to Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? You'll have earned your, uh, your calories <laughs> That's at that right. point. <laughs> All that. Definitely another motivating factor. Sure, sure. And so, so you know, um, and I think you talked about it earlier about how, you know, it's not necessarily about the number. I mean, 200 is, is a cool, you know, thing to mark in terms of marathons, but it's about the quality mm -hmm. and, and enjoying the place you go and the people you meet and going with, you know, your kids or your husband. But um, what, so what's next? Along with these five Ironmans you're doing this fall, you know, do you have like a, I want to run till I'm 90. I want to complete... 400 marathons is, is there anything like out there that like um that you have dreams now in terms of the 26.2 distance well if if possible i would like to run more uh international marathons and um another crazy goal that i 
hate to even verbalize, uh, but I have run 12 marathons in Europe and um, each of those marathons have been in different countries. Um, so it, I would like to run as many countries in Europe a, as I can. Um, that That's a lifetime goal and one that I could see working on more when um, I'm an empty nester. Right now, um, I, I will still have two at home. Um, so it, it will be another six or seven years before I really, uh, get into that goal. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a uh, it's amazing, you know, what you've done. So, uh, um, I appreciate, uh, uh, Michelle so much for joining us and we wish you all the best. Hope to see you at, uh, future marathons and maybe you'll, uh, write a, uh, um, uh, write another book and update folks on your current <laughs> marathon level. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's it's really been an honor, and I'm, yes. I'm so happy that we met. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Well, it was great to meet her. Hopefully, we will see each other at a uh, future race, and uh, she's not stopping. She's, you know, along with all these marathons she's doing, all these Ironmans now. So, really impressive, inspiring to see uh, a lady, you know, mom of six doing all this. Uh, she's showing her kids, listen, you know, if if I can do it, you know, anyone can do it. So uh, really proud of her and, and glad to, to meet her in person and have a great conversation with her on the podcast. Hope you got something out of that as well. And and I did see, you know, she's uh, been, you know, interviewed for some other articles with some advice for runners, whether you're doing a marathon, a 5K or whatever. Um, she says that, um, you know, Remind yourself that training for a marathon is a long process. Your fitness level will progressively improve if you keep at it. So, um, you know, and she, like you said, she dedicates those last six miles to special people in her life. It kind of, you know, distracts her mind, gets her mind off those tired legs onto people she cares about, onto prayer, onto the conversation with God. And uh, she also says, uh, you know, don't worry about pedicures because <laughs> if you're running all these, uh, you know, uh, long distance races or trying to run fast, uh, she says that she's had some disfigured toenails turn black due to bruising. Uh, she does recommend a foot massage before maybe a marathon. But actually, you know, I actually have two black toenails now as well. One was from my marathon several months ago. Uh, another one from this marathon just uh, a week and a half ago. And so um, I guess they're permanent. They may fall out. I don't know. They don't hurt. So, you know, going to keep them going. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to show my feet off a lot at the beach or whatever, but that's fine. No big deal at all. And once again, if you uh, check out her book, uh, Michelle Walker wrote and released back in the uh, winter of 2017 called If You Give a Mom a Marathon, Six Kids and a Run Around the World. And available on Amazon and everywhere else you can find books. So uh, I'm going to go check that out sometime as well. Inspiring as a mom and as a marathoner. Now to our final segment of the podcast. You heard our uh, our segment of you know stuck in my head earlier. Uh, maybe you've got that song you're still humming. You know, take me home, country road. But now to our parting gift, some inspiration from the Bible. Well, here it is. Uh, since we, we did talk to a mom for this episode of Run the Race, which again is on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, all that stuff, uh, you know, talking about moms uh, who are very important to all of us, uh, the parting gift comes from 3 John 1 4, uh, the English Standard Version. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. 
and that's what Michelle is. That's all of us as parents. Uh, we, you know, that's our joy. That's where we want our kids. We, we can teach them. We can guide them. But as they get older, they have to discover things for themselves. And uh, we want our children to walk in truth, whatever that means to you. But like for me, it's, it's following Christ. It's following your dreams. It's believing in yourself, but also believing in God and that he gives us strength and wisdom. And now closing in prayer, dear God, uh, just thank you for uh, guiding us, showing us the truth as we uh, you know, run the race of life, uh, run these races and give you the glory, Lord God, that uh, we just we pray that we can inspire others uh, with our faith, uh, with our fitness, uh, with our jobs, whatever we do, Lord God, let us be a testimony uh, for your love, your grace, your mercy, and, and your gifts that you give us. And uh, Lord God, that we use those uh, for your kingdom and not for our own self-interest. And Lord Jesus, just uh, thank you for, um, you know, moms like Michelle that give so much of themselves. Lord God, help us to learn to uh, put our oxygen mask on, to, to, to fill ourselves with more of you, and uh, just to kind of to be, have a fulfilled life uh, that only you can bring us, and then give, providing us opportunities to have fun and to, to live a life of joy. You name me pray. Amen. And uh, really thank you guys for joining us for uh, Run the Race. Tell your friends about it. Share this uh, podcast, hashtag Run the Race. Uh, write a uh, review for us at the bottom of the Apple page as well if you're listening there. And uh, so we're looking forward to some great conversations about faith and fitness. Uh, as 2021 rolls right on, we are officially in summer now. So uh, make sure to uh, wear your sunscreen and enjoy that air conditioning.